Welcome to Refugee Radio. Chejo, chejo, chejo. Yeno Refugee Radio. The Refugee Radio Show brings you the voices of refugees and asylum seekers living in your community. Catch us on the second Monday of every month at 10 a.m. and then repeated on Thursday at 4 p.m. Go beyond the headlines to meet the real people behind the stories as we talk about their lives in Brighton and the experiences that brought them here. Chenda Musamf, Katonyeze Biri FM. That's the Refugee Radio Show, the program of the Refugee Radio Charity, second Monday of the month on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. This is the Refugee Radio Show. Today I'm talking to Sanayat Pichi Gallo, who's an author originally from Eritrea on the Red Sea coast of East Africa, now living in California on the west coast of America. She's just published a book entitled You're in America, Now What? which is a guide to migrants on how to integrate with ease and joy into a new country. In this program tonight is going to guide us through the seven steps outlined in the book and we're going to discuss the universal aspects of the migrant journey, how it relates to the refugees who've come to live in my own town of Brighton and how it relates to tonight's own personal journey through topics like money, uh, confidence, learning and managing your emotions. Welcome to Refugee Radio. I am from Eritrea originally, um, that's in East Africa. I came to U.S. Uh, in 2007, uh, December 15, 2007. I am a mother of three kids. By profession, I am a court interpreter, and I interpret uh, two languages, Amharic and Tigrinya, that's from Ethiopia and Eritrea. I'm an author um, of a new book called You're in America, Now What? And um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. The new book, You're in America, Now What? Seven Skill Sets to Integrate with Ease and Joy, published by Knowledge Power Books, has the interesting category of immigration slash self-help. Now, I've never seen a book with that particular category before. I imagine it's quite a small part of the bookshop. Yeah. There are books about immigration and there are books that are self-help, but this is quite possibly the first combination of the two. Uh, can you tell <laughs> us why you, why you decided to write this book and also why now? It's interesting because as an immigrant myself, it's a, a passion of mine to understand, you know, how you can be an immigrant in the Western world. Because I come from Africa and our experience as immigrants from a developing nations is quite different. Uh, when you come to the Western world, it's it's completely different the way we understand ourselves, the way we understand others, the way we understand everything. And uh, it was quite challenging for me when I moved to the USA 
Even though I spoke English and I had a lot of experience, I worked for international NGOs and I worked for UN. So I was quite confident that I was going to go, you know, it was going to go good for me in the US world. But quite the contrary, I had a, a hard time adjusting and understanding the US culture. And at that point, I was just hitting, you know, my head into walls wherever I go because there was this lack of understanding of the culture and also the system and the way people talked, even though I spoke the language, the norm and the value of the culture that's embedded inside, like you cannot see, was very puzzling to me. And at that point, I was looking around and looking for resources to help me adjust. I couldn't find, I mean, I found books about immigrants, you know, immigration as in general. And I found self-help books to help me build my confidence, building my support groups or whatever. So, but they were all scattered all over the place. What was what I was lacking was something that was written by someone who has gone through the experience and kind of lay, laid out for me to understand where I was because I couldn't even see where I was emotionally, uh, mentally, or in every area of my life. I didn't know where I was. It, it felt like being thrown in an ocean without a vest. That's what I felt. So in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, how, how come I cannot find something that could help me? And I, I'm going through this. And I was figuring it out. Of course, I, I'm a very resourceful person and I, I had a lot of help from others and I read a lot. And as I was figuring it out, figuring out, oh, this is where I am. Oh, this is what I needed at this point. I felt the need to write a book, to leave some trail for others uh, who might be wondering the same thing that I was wondering. So it took a long time. I started writing it actually um, in 2009, slowly. He said, why now? Is because in US for four or five years, there has been a, a little bit different in administration. That made me think that a lot of people don't have a, an understanding of immigrants, what we go through and what we struggle. And yet we still make it. We still uh, work hard. We still adjust and assimilate and we still contribute to others. And that's lost in our struggle. And I really wanted to give voice to what we go through to paint a different picture. So that's why I started, oh, my God, I should do it now, sooner, you know, now than uh, later. The only other book I can think of that I've ever seen that's similar, I can't remember the exact title. It was called something like, So You Married an Alien or How to Marry an Alien, or something like this. And it's a book from the early part of the 20th century, and it's a guide for the British gentleman who's married a foreign wife. And it couldn't be more colonial if it tried. Um, but it's very much, you know, how to overcome these awkward social clashes. She doesn't understand this stuff, and she doesn't get this. But it was for the husband rather than than the wife. And, of course, they're using alien in the, in the archaic sense to mean... Uh, a person from overseas but this is this is yeah. something this is something quite different in a way we are aliens actually in the u.s the first number they give you it's called alien number so <laughs> close to it right oh they still use the word yeah i think in, perhaps it was more common in the states to this, to this point 
Right. So the, the book is full of good advice and it's structured to help a new migrant go through the journey. I'm interested in knowing what's the worst advice you ever received when you were making this adjustment yourself. Is that you can't do it. You know, what you heard from US, uh, about US before you came, all the big dreams that we had, it's not possible. And I was horrified when I heard that because I did not come here to just survive. So I had really big dreams and I, I really wanted to make it as a person um, and also as an American. I wanted to fulfill my dreams coming here because it's the U.S. and, you know, and there were those that were giving me advice like, oh, don't, 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 don't be hopeful. It's not going to work. You're just going to disappoint yourself. So that was the worst one that I received from them. From the other side, people who lived here, is that the U.S. is just the U.S. They're not going to understand you. That as an immigrant, you know, it's just the way it is. So that was the worst thing to, to tell me because that's not true. I found out later it's not true. And I guess that touches on the idea of integration as a two-way process. It's not right. just solely incumbent on the person who's arrived. It's also incumbent on the, the host population, perhaps, to, to reach out. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I cover that on my book, that you see uh, people that have not integrated uh, to the people that come, right? So it's a two-way. You're right. Can we talk about the the seven? I don't know if these are spoiler alerts for people who haven't read the book yet, but can we talk about the seven different skill sets? Now, this book is written for migrants in America, but of course, these are universally applicable. So can we talk right. about the, the seven different skill sets? I love that the first one is positive attitude. I think right. that's a really right. nice one to start with. The In the UK, we have the Home Office, which is the government department that regulates immigration. And they have a quasi-scientific thing they call the, the indicators of integration. And they're a list of things that they think are key sort of performance indicators of whether somebody's integrated or not into a society. And their first one is work. And that ah. just tells you where they're coming from. Um, <laughs> and they don't mention positivity or having a positive attitude. And they certainly don't mention it being easy or joyful. Um, so I love that right. you start there. So positive attitude is number one. And that's the first, yeah. it's not just the first skill set. It's the first thing you need to do on, on day one, as it were. Yes. It, it's funny you mentioned that because yes, uh, work is very important, right? And I do mention, actually, before I go to the, uh, the skill sets, I go talk about the top four survivors' needs because work is a survivor's needs, right? It's like right away I come here, I have to, be, to pay bills, right? So um, I have to work and I have to find a support system. And, you know, there are things I have to find a roommate or maybe a housing situation. I don't know how it is in England, but here the housing situation is very expensive and you have to figure all that out. And it's very stressful and people uh, focus on those areas, which is like, you have to survive. And that's very important. And problem is people waste their entire life in that survivor mode. It's about work and then finding housing and then paying bills and this and that. And that's the experience. And every time you talk to them, Oh, uh, you know, uh, oh, hi, how, how, how's life? 
oh, we're surviving, we're paying bills, right? Um, but life is more more than that, right? For anyone, not just for immigrants. So positive attitude, like he said, is one of them. You have to have a positive attitude. Otherwise, you, would, you wouldn't be able to look at your culture and I can judge it, right? I can find all the wrong ways to feel about England. I don't know much about England. I have been there once, but I can judge it. Like even if we start talking, I can judge you, right? Uh, because I don't understand it. I have to have a positive attitude. So that's why I, I mentioned that to be the first one. I talk about, you know, healthily managing your emotions. That's not something that we learn. And that's not something that we focus on when the immigrants come. You don't say, oh, come, I'm going to teach you about how to manage your emotions. You are on your own, right? Okay, we can talk about mental health. But before I actually came to the US, uh, mental health was a topic uh, among immigrants. The first time you hear about mental health, you need to see a counselor. The first thing that comes to your mind is, I'm not crazy. So you don't associate it. Oh, you're going to have a lot of emotion that comes when you move to a new country. You're going to feel stress. You're going to feel a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, because you don't know the people even in or racism, for example, that's a huge one in, in the U.S. You don't know how to deal with that. And you can be walking around and then, you know, your heart is racing. You don't know what to do with that. Uh, you will have a lot of anger because your whole world just shifted right there is a lot of emotion that goes within yourself and if you don't know how to manage it it will be very difficult to uh, adjust to you know to your country your new country you cannot even feel like you belong because you are always lost in your emotions trying to to contain it or to drink too much because you don't know how to deal with it or maybe uh, do drugs. I, I, I said, I mentioned earlier, I am a court interpreter by profession. So uh, at courthouse, uh, some of the cases that I see are involved around domestic violence or around um, DUI because people don't know how to deal with what they're feeling and they tend to do, you know, they tend to drink and then they drive and then they end up in trouble, right? Not because they are bad citizens, just because they don't know how to deal with their emotions. And then um, in my culture, for example, it's not illegal for someone to slap someone or if you are feeling angry with someone, you know, you just get into a fight in the US that will get you into trouble. So there are all these things that you have to manage at the same time while you're looking at for, for a job, you're looking for housing, which is very stressful by itself. And then you also have to learn how to manage your emotions. If not, it's actually could be deadly because I have seen a lot of people in prison. They end up in prison because they didn't know how to address the, their emotions. So let's stay on this for a second. This is <laughs> skill set number two, healthily managing your emotions. I'm very interested in the point you made about the, the sort of cultural relativity of mental health and in dealing with your emotions. In Amharic and Tigrinya, what's the word for mental health? Or is there a word for mental health? What's, how, how close do we get? That's a very good question. Actually, I was talking about it the other day. I looked yeah. online and I found a couple. Uh, and I'm not sure if either of them are right. One was uh, El Ale and another was uh, Ebadan. But I don't know if I'm pronouncing either of them. In <laughs> Eba, yeah, that this is thanks Google Translate. <laughs> 
Ibdan, I got you. I got you. Ibdan. Okay. That's literally translated as going crazy. Yeah. And I was talking uh, to someone about this the other day. It's funny you mentioned it because the only time in Eritrea you actually think about going to to, to get a professional help is you have gone crazy, literally. And uh, the place, um, the only hospital that we have for mental health in Eritrea, in Asmara, the capital city, it's called Indat Ululat. means the closest translation is for people who are crazy. And I imagine it's more so, like a prison or something than a hospital. Right, right. And then you go there and then, you know, they contain you there. And until you get better, you get medication and stuff like that. But as a culture we are not used to going to um, a mental professional and talk about, you know, oh, I'm stressed today. Work was like this. It's not common because how we do that is uh, mental health um, counseling is embedded in the culture. I didn't actually realize that until I left it because we have cultural coffee ceremony, for example, you know, after work, you go home and then you have, you know, coffee ceremony and you eat together and then you talk about your day and you even talk about your dreams. Oh, last night it was so weird. I had this dream. And then somebody, (laughs) my mom can say, you know, this dream like that could mean this. And then it's kind of therapeutic, but we don't call it therapeutic because we don't know it's therapeutic, but that's, that's how uh, and then you go out with friends because life is not as chaotic in the Western world. You go with friends and then after work, you unwind, you talk about your coworkers and stuff because you have time. Um, life is not very demanding. So you don't need that. So when you come here, all that is gone and you don't have the structure like you used to. So all these things come up and it's even worse for for us because we don't know what to do with that and you literally don't have that those networks aren't here anyway of family and friends that that you might turn to so they're the very right important. it takes time it yeah. takes time which is what i talk about uh, when i talk about um building your support system as a skill because you have to like when i first came i had a family uh, friend that um uh, sponsored me to come here. I, I won a green card lottery and you need a sponsor for a few years to stay with them. Other than that, I had one friend and that was it. And I was a very social person. I had a strong support system around me growing up. Uh, so building a support system around you again from scratch and pro- possibly from people who are the local or maybe other immigrants is very vital and uh, for your mental health. But also, uh, you know, taking care of your mental health is very important. I talk about my own experience of mental health, um, even though it's a taboo, you don't even talk about it. I thought it was very important to be transparent and to talk about the challenges that I had personally um, uh, with a therapist, with uh, my journey of it so that people could see themselves in there even though you know they don't talk about it so it's it takes yeah. a lot of, it takes a lot of bravery to do something like that but of course how can you get you, the best way to get people to start talking about their mental health and their own emotional problems is to demonstrate it by doing it 
and saying this is what it looks like the the ground didn't open up beneath me and i didn't fall through and i'm still here and it's fine to do this You are listening to the Refugee Radio Show. We're broadcasting on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM in Brighton and Hove, and we're podcasting on Spotify and all good podcast platforms. You can rifle through the archives on www.refugeeradio.org.uk or check out the collected interviews in our latest book, Castaway Heritage, which is available now in all good bookshops and I guess, uh, by extension, none of the bad ones. Today I'm in conversation with my special guest tonight, Peachy Gallo, author of the book You're in America, Now What? And talking about the successful strategies needed for refugees and migrants, not just in America, but in any country you might find yourself, and maybe even right here in Brighton. We skipped stage step, skill set three, <laughs> being being open to a lifetime of learning. Does it? Do you mean uh, education and learning the language, or do you mean more than that? I I mean education is. Um... It's good. If I want to be a court interpreter, I'll go, you know, to college and, you know, take some uh, courses and, you know, learn about the language and I become one. And if I want to be a pilot, I need to go to school and then become a pilot after several years. I'm talking here and, and that's good, right? That's good. That's why we have the world that we have today. Um, but I'm talking about being open all the time. Uh, to informal learning. Um, I, I always wonder why we don't learn about money, for example, at school. <laughs> yeah. How to work, you know, how to be in your marriage. Jesus, nobody told me that. <laughs> it would have helped, right? Going to school and then, hey, today we're going to talk about, you know, how to be in a relationship. It's just trial and error. You have to... Um, to learn it in the, you know, in your experience with people and then uh, learning how to be parents. Nobody prepared us how to be parents and they didn't come with, um, with uh, a manual, as you know, as a father, <laughs> um, it's very hard. So, which means we have to do all the learning by, by ourselves, right? So we have to learn how to be parents, which means we have to read, we have to, um, go take courses if there are you know courses nowadays we have the internet so we can do that right um so many courses for so many things um, um if uh, i you know i want to know uh, about relationships or i have trouble then i can learn about it right and for us immigrants it's it's not negotiable because there are so many things that you need to learn on a daily basis. Um, you have to learn about the culture, you have to learn about the people around you, you have to learn about how to be as a person who is not from your country in a, in a foreign country. Uh, that requires for you to be really open-minded, open to reading, open to uh, learn from other people, uh, ask questions, um, because without that, Yes, you can survive. I know a lot of people who have given up and they're like, uh, he's in, here in USA, at least that's the case. And they say, you know what? If I educate uh, my kids, if I contribute for my kids' education, 
I'm good. And they refuse even to mm. learn the language because they assume it's difficult. Of course, it's difficult. Um, but um, as long as you have, you're open to learning, um, then um, you could put on, you know, time uh, that it takes uh, to learn it, whatever it is. Yes, there's a, a, it sets up an intergenerational clash, of course. And, we, you know, that right. does happen in some migrant families where the uh, first generation doesn't want to. Uh, right. You know, not everybody wants to learn the English and, and learn to um, negotiate these new cultural codes. And then the, the second generation comes up and they're, they're, they're relied upon in some circumstances to be interpreters informally and things like that. But then when they come back and say, actually, mum and dad, I'm doing this which is different to the way we do it in our culture, then we've got a problem. And um, yeah, exactly. I think it's a spirit of uh, sort of a lifetime spirit of inquisitiveness and openness to, to learning. Yeah. It's a, a fantastically helpful thing for, for every generation, no matter how old you are, when you, when you arrive. Um, you touched on the, the big one, one of the big ones, I guess, skill set number five attitude about money. Now you, I, I love you didn't call this, this isn't just, money like get money this is have an ha have the right attitude about money could you explain right. what you uh, meant by that for us sure yeah that's a huge one for us <laughs> for anyone actually for anyone in the western world also whether you are a west um, a, an immigrant or not but for us immigrants we we carry the burden of helping others i remember my experience uh, when i moved to china um I lived in China for two years, by the way. The first thing that I felt was, oh my God, I'm here and I have everything that I need. I'm earning money and I can have everything that I want. And I could not be happy because I have to help the ones that are behind. And uh, it's like a burden. I don't know where we learn it from, but um, I, I actually know it's that the Ubuntu mentality, which is good. Uh, but it, we don't know how to go back to the healthy way of thinking about how you can help somebody else. Uh, and that becomes a, a burden. Uh, people here, they come here also in Europe. I know a lot of people. And they come here and the attitude also about people who have, um, who, who, who stayed there, you know, um, as soon as you get here, they think you are rich and you have an abundance of life. I remember this guy who came here. He's, he was a refugee, and he said, "Oh my God!" What, he, he he had this culture shock, and he said, "I thought money grew, um, um, you know, on a tree, and literally because he was shocked. I mean, he had to work so hard to get to that money. But that mentality also we bring with us, and then others that we leave behind, they think money." You are wealthy now that you are in America or you are in England, you are in Europe, Australia, wherever, you are wealthy. And the relationship changes. Now you are the provider and you have to pay for everything. But then again, you have also to provide for yourself, for your family. And then, you know, life is very uh, expensive. Um, so it's to change all that mentality. But in order to change that mentality, I talk about in the book some of the things that come up for us, which means you have to literally change what you think made you. This is the way I am, you know, thinking. Uh, this is how I have 
learned. Um, once we unravel that, we will be able to give um, in a healthy way. Does that make sense? Like me, uh, for example, it, I had to go through it. Like people asking me, send me money, send me money in the beginning. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then people calling me and they said, oh, I'm going to get married. <laughs> okay, okay. And then, oh, uh, guess what? My daughter has this problem and she's very sick and she's in a house. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I have to send this money. Now I have to get another job. So, and then after going through it and having a lot of mental breakdown about it, finally, I had to learn uh, this is not healthy. I'm not even helping them. I think that I'm helping them, but it's not helping. You're just enabling the people to be dependent on you. Uh, so there is a way that we can learn shift from unhealthy way of thinking of giving to actually truly giving. And um, I have an nonprofit uh, back home that I started um, after I decided, okay, I'm going to put my foot down and I am not going to send money. I am sorry. I am not your bank. And of course, I lost relationships. Of course, you have to be willing to let go of a lot of things that doesn't work for you anymore. So that the person who is really giving and that the thing that we learned, it was it was healthy, but it got lost in a way. And to come back to that and to give in a way that helps, like maybe through nonprofits, you can you can open a nonprofit or you can help a school in, in, in the country that you left that will improve the life of the people around them. Now, that's true giving. So um, I talk about uh, that attitude is um, in, in that uh, skill set. And I guess there's a, there's yeah. a degree of face saving involved. People don't want to let on that they've gone to all this trouble and left their family and friends behind and moved all the halfway around the world and that they're not rolling in money. So of course nobody wants to admit they don't have it either. Uh, skill set number six, self-confidence, <laughs> a lovely one. And this is different to a positive attitude, isn't it? It is. It is very different. Um, and actually that's also a very important one. Self-confidence. Oh my God, where to begin? I mean, I used to think that I was so confident when I was back home um, and and that's it. I'm confident and period. That's what I understood about being confident. But confidence is uh, always evolving, right? Life circumstances happen, um, you know, that knocks you out from what you thought you knew. And, you know, there's a divorce or there is a, a child you have a child that is sick or there are so many things that come in life that you doubt yourself so which means you have to evolve with your situations every time and you have to keep building uh, confidence your confidence and um, if you are confident to begin with in the beginning it's you have something you know already uh, you know a foundation to build upon, right? Um, but some people think, uh, I hear a lot of my clients uh, who are immigrants um, say, you know, I'm not a confident person and that's it. Like it's set on the stone, but that's not true because it's a skill set that we can develop over time. Of course, it's not going to be, oh, 
okay, I've decided I'm going to be confident and I am confident now. It doesn't work that way, right? We have to work for it. But it's a skill set. So to kind of detach from uh, the brain that says I, either I'm confident or I'm not. I also uh, hear people, oh, I'm not a people person or, you know, I'm sociable. It's actually not true. Yes, some of us were naturally, you know, like that. I, I am a very sociable person per se. Um, but it's not, you're not set on stone, right? Uh, it's something you can learn. So self-confidence is something that people can learn, especially coming here without it, we're nothing. Because the first thing that I felt when I came to the US, when it comes to my confidence was, I looked at these people and they looked giants to me because I'm like, five foot <laughs> uh, and they were tall and they spoke really fast I I told you that I understood English I even taught English as a second language before I got here but I couldn't understand the word they were saying because they were talking too fast and I'm like is that English what are they saying and it seems like they knew everything about every I mean they they knew everything about everything like they're the doctors they like they had this knowledge that I I couldn't comprehend so what I felt was like I felt very small I felt myself like shrinking like oh my god I know nothing I don't know anything I don't know if I can survive here and it's very normal to feel that way I am sharing this because that's the most um, feeling that's the common feeling that people feel when they come to the western world you guys are very intimidating. <laughs> um, we don't arrive to, you are also human. It, it takes us time to get there. So that self-confidence need to, you know, we need, it's like a muscle we need to build. Um, there is racism, for example. How do I deal with racism? Like, you know, I, I, I was born in Africa and my, my, my color was never an issue for me before I left Eritrea. And all of a sudden, my color was discussed or um, my color was an issue. And it's, it gets in the way. So I, I literally don't, don't know how to handle that because I never seen myself being a problem because of my color. So those are things that we need to deal with. But without self-confidence, how are you going to deal with that, right? I have to be able to stand before uh, other people and be equal. How am I going to do that if I don't feel confident? So confidence is very important. And the first step is to actually believe that you can acquire confidence. It's just, I mean, it's going to take you time, but it's a skill set that you could, uh, you could build upon. And then I talk about my own journey, the whole book, I actually talk about my whole, my, my journey uh, because I didn't want it to be a text about, um, you know, teach you, oh, this is, you know, this is how it's done. Or I didn't want to do that. I wanted to use my own experience, how I felt and what I did to get confidence um, and to build upon confidence and the things that made me uh, lose my confidence and um, how I got there so that when you see the process, then you can connect. Oh my God. Yeah, I could do that. I could totally do that. 
And of course, I've used other people's story as well. So that's in short. <laughs> yeah, of course, you need to have the, the positive attitude in the first place that you can develop the self-confidence. Yeah. Well, that, 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 as long as you've completed step one first. Uh, right, exactly. It sets you up for everything else. And the right. final step, number seven, um, uh, this has a more poetic title, uh, perhaps, than <laughs> the others, The Dance of Cultural Integration. I'm interested in right. the, the, the dance of it, but also the, the fact that we're talking about cultural integration rather than uh, perhaps socioeconomic integration <laughs> or some other kind of uh, integration. But the, te- what right. can you tell us about the dance? Yeah, I love dancing, <laughs> which is why I thought that was fitting there. Um, dancing is very therapeutic for me, like no matter what, there are few things that in my life um, that help me be grounded and dancing is one of them. So that's what I thought, you know, I thought that would be feeding. Um, but once we, you know, we, we talked about in the beginning, uh, the four survivor skills, you have a job, you have, um, you know, a few friends here and there, you can tell your, you know, uh, your hardship and, you know, you can support each other. And then you have a housing situation, uh, and then also the language, I forgot that the four survivors, you know, you're learning the language or you're toward, you know, you're doing something towards it. Those are the four things. And then uh, the skill sets we, we've been talking about, once you have integrated that, it should give you, it should pull you out from that survival mode, right? You're not just leaving to pay uh, your bills. Life is more than that, right? So in order to get there, you need to go out of that mentality. You have to get out of the survival mode uh, of just repeating the same thing again and again and again and again. So which would mean uh, you have to recognize yourself as a leader, right? Because it would, uh, it would be you making a difference for others. You have to go beyond what you are doing just for you. Because as immigrants, um, as refugees, especially refugees uh, who have done everything to come to another country, you have no idea the bravery that takes, the courage that takes. It's beyond me. They are brave, they are courageous. They are amazing human beings more than they could realize because now the mind gets stuck in, in the survivor mode. Oh my God, I'm in a new country. Oh my God, I'm, I have to do this. I have to uh, pay my bills and I have to send to my family. And then they're like in this spiral all the time. And I have met people who have been here for 30 years in the U.S., who, um, who are still in that mentality and then they have not integrated to the, the culture uh, fully. They're still in their little bubble, in their community. Um, some of them, they don't even uh, speak um, enough English to, you know, to get them uh, a job or anything like that because they, they work in their small uh, community where they can speak their language. So they have created a very small world. But refugees and immigrants alike, when you go through something like that, 
that means you have a greater potential. That means once you have mastered that, now you have to survive both in, the, in, in both worlds. I always say I have one foot on American culture and then the other on my culture. But it's a very different way of being. It's a different way of seeing the world. It's a different way of um, um, seeing problems because now you have both the perspectives assuming that you have integrated fully. And that's what I say, what, what integration means is without forgetting who you are and embracing the culture and loving it. I love being an American, right? But at the same time, I love who I am uh, and the culture that I came from. So when you get to that place, then you, you, you have to you know, keep yourself, I, I talk about in this uh, topic, you are ready to be a leader. That means you are fully integrated and you're not pulled by every direction, like unnecessary things like we were talking about, uh, somebody calling you for money or somebody uh, taking you here. You are confident, you, are, you, ha you have all the potential that uh, you can give. You, we can be the problem solvers of the immigration uh, problem that the world is facing. Because once we are integrated, we could contribute in a way to the country that we love, the new country that adopted us, whether it's America or um, England is what I meant, or Australia, whatever, because they embraced us, they took us in and it's a lovely culture. And I love every culture uh, that I encounter with. You can embrace that. And then you can connect as a human being, right? As a human being. And I will be able to see, I can see you as a human being. What connects us, right? As I, I can see you as a father. I can see you as a, um, your struggles as a human being like me. And at the same time, I can see the struggle that I left behind. And I could contribute in a big way uh, for them to have a good life there, right? Instead of um, just sending money. Uh, if every immigrant bring about their potential forward, then uh, that would be, I, I can't even imagine what our world would be. We just have to realize that potential within us that we brought. It's, it came through struggle, but <laughs> the struggle makes you strong and we, we, we have to come out of that spiral we're in oh my god it's so hard it's so hard and this and that so that's why i put that the last uh because that's mastering survival and um uh, and, and then i also talk about tips for writing our goals because every immigrant believe it or not when they left from their country they had a vision they had a vision and those vision are very big but somehow in the way of integrating and trying to survive, then you lost it. Like, okay, it's not possible, I can't do it. So being in that space of, um, you know, having uh, fully integrated gives you permission to bring about that vision that you had before and other visions that came along so that you can be uh, the solution, not the problem. And for others also to, to, to follow does that make sense you give permission for others also to follow um to follow you 
So. Yeah, I, I love it. There's no better illustration of somebody who's moved on from survival mode than somebody who's yeah. dancing. We're, <laughs> we're, clearly, we're not foraging for dance. food and, and shelter anymore. We're, we're, we're dancing. <laughs> I noticed that the, the, the seven sort of skill sets to, to integrate with ease and joy are almost exactly the points at which the home office in the UK anyway acts to actively frustrate the experience of people who are arriving particularly as asylum seeker and I was, I was just thinking each step I could write a sort of <laughs> a, a dark version of the uh, of the narrative and the from the from the positive attitude there met with the adversarial interview where they're presenting their asylum story and to uh, uh uh, an interviewing officer at the home office who actively doesn't believe them and is working to try and catch them yeah. out healthfully managing your emotions we on a daily basis are helping refugees and asylum seekers to overcome discrimination so they can actually access health care particularly uh, mental health it's very difficult for them to access uh, say uh, services for post-traumatic stress disorder or depression that that locals are accessing much more easily um being open to a lifetime of learning. Oh, I mean, people are getting stuck with over fees as if they're overseas students and being denied access to yeah. education. It, just getting onto English language classes is uh, is impossible for many of our clients. Uh, building a support system from scratch. Of course, people are dispersed around the country, so their home office sends them to live in Scotland or Wales or wherever, any anywhere other than London, where their uh, relatives might be or where there might be a community of people from from their uh, country of origin. All sorts of things, attitude towards money, people being prevented from working when they arrive and being forced to rely on uh, vouchers or handouts. I mean, every step is as if they've, they've taken your book and gone, OK, how do we prevent anybody from integrating uh, joyfully or, or easily? And yet individuals can overcome all of those uh, aspects of what they call here the hostile environment. Um, right. It is possible the individual can triumph over this systematic assault on these things and and prosper with with joy. And I was interested that um, finding joy in nature and finding release in that, particularly for people who are stressed or dealing with their emotions. I did that in the beginning. Like I, I came here and then everything that goes on in my mind and in my my emotion was erratic, like oh my God, I need to make money real fast. And I also left my son there. So I had to get him here. So there was also a time crunch, right? I had to really run. And the rest of the thing was invisible to me. And I remember uh, someone very close to me said, oh my God, you know, you live in California, right? <laughs> very close to San Francisco. And, um, you know, there are places that you can go. And I looked at this person as if he's, he was crazy because I was an emission and he was going <laughs> to distract me and talking about, oh, you need to go here. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I am on that survival mode and I cannot see anything else. And um, after about two years, um, I met a friend through a friend, um, uh, Troy. Um, really a wonderful person. Uh, he's a veteran. And um, we got connected through a common friend who lived in Germany. And then when we're talking, we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, his experience as a soldier and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my God, how is that possible? Everything we were talking about 
it was like, it was my experience <laughs> because I also went to the military when I was in Eritrea as a mandatory service. And I was like, oh my God, you grew up here and I grew up uh, uh, somewhere else and our experiences are very similar. So we, we really became best friends. And then, um, then he said at, at some point, listen, you are stressed a lot. <laughs> You're doing a fantastic job. You need to have a break and you are always on the go. And I understand why you have to do this, but I want to show you a little bit of, you know, um, the, uh, the, uh, the place outside of the city. And I, I said, okay, I'm like, I don't think um, it's going to make any difference because I really need to go back to work and do the work. And oh my God. And it wasn't, it wasn't even far. And we went to the Redwoods. I don't know if you have Redwoods um, in England. Do you? No, but we've seen we the, pictures. the, the, the <laughs> okay. uh, biggest trees in the world, I think. Right. And I, I was mesmerized and it was like a, a, a very transformative experience for me because I've never been around them. They're huge. And I was like embraced in that nature and the smell and the, I felt Oh my God, I just felt like all the stress, all the anxiety, all the thing that I was feeling just melted. Like I couldn't even believe it. And at that point, I actually had this, I talk about it a lot. I had this experience where I felt I was not in the US. I was not even in my country. I was not anywhere, but just embraced by nature. And I'm like, <laughs> what was why didn't I know about this? <laughs> and it took me two years to realize that all I needed was uh, to go to nature and uh, to go to the ocean. Uh, it's not uh, uh, a warm ocean like Africa or the Mediterranean um, ocean, but um, it's still an ocean. And it gives me that sense of, you know, whenever I feel um, overwhelmed, I go there. So I encourage you know immigrants to have that experience to come out of their mentality well oh no i don't have time for that oh no uh, i can't think about that uh, i just have to focus on my family and everything that i need to do because you need to relax if you don't relax your mind doesn't work um if you don't somehow release the tension and the the stress and uh, the anxiety you are not doing anything anyways because you're just adding more stress and more uh, um, frustration to your situation. So I really encourage people. Uh, I heard that England is beautiful. So uh, the countryside, hopefully someday I'll visit. But um, it's, 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 it's beautiful to be around nature. Yeah, it is, it is beautiful here. It's very green. Um, but uh, of course, the, the only way it gets green is because it rains a lot. But we we don't mind. We get, we get used you to don't it. want rain. <laughs> well, we have to, you can't have the trees without the without the rain. So, um, Senai, yeah. thank you so much. I'm just for, gonna say, yeah, I'm just gonna say that was one of my culture uh, uh, shock was uh, we as Africans we welcome the rain and we dance in the rain and then in, in the US and you know the Western world you even have a song about. Uh, rain rain go away <laughs> come again another day <laughs> so yeah i get it 
I, I want to let you know that these um, this these seven skill sets and this perspective about moving from survival to actually living um this is definitely something we're going to share with the refugees and asylum seekers and other vulnerable migrants that we work with at refugee radio in our support group and and beyond i think there's some really valuable lessons in here and uh, this is a fantastic book thank you for for writing it contributing this information uh, for everybody and thank you very much for for coming on the program and talking to us uh, today uh, about your personal journey and about the book you're an american now what seven skills to integrate with ease and joy uh, is available now from knowledge power books and we'll put a link on our website where people can find out where to order their copies uh, it's actually on amazon also amazon england I was going yeah, to suggest somebody. I was going to suggest some, somewhere <laughs> other than Amazon. Uh, perhaps I think they've got enough of our money already. But yeah, the the easiest place to find it is is on the Amazon. Easiest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the shipping and stuff yeah, yeah, like that gets tricky. Well, there's a reason yeah. why they there's a reason why they've got all of our money. So, <laughs> right. But I it was a, an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you do. Uh, you know, for um, the Im immigrant community, refugee specifically uh it's it's a noble cause thank you for having me i it, it's really an honor oh thank you so much for your time it's been lovely to get to know you all right then that was the refugee radio show please do check out our website for more content that's www.refugeeradio.org.uk and thanks for listening